Welcome to the Brownfall podcast, Amanda Wyatt. Thank you. Is you that... did say my name right. That's a good start. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And you are the CEO of Brandon. Correct. We are here today because you're uh, uh, like uh, one of our first subscribers to our to our magazine. Oh, really? And yeah, you have been been with us from like the beginning, and. Uh, Even though that's the case, I I don't know so much about what you're doing. That's how good I am at my job. Well, how bad we are at our job of making sure you do know. So yeah. that's, it's good to finally have the opportunity after all these years to yeah. let you get to know us. That's beautiful. This podcast will be like an exploration into what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, where are you going from here? You have recently become the CEO like a mm -hmm. couple of months ago. All right, let's let's dive straight into it. Sure. What is Brandon doing? <laughs> I mean, I could give the official version of Brandon designs, distributes, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the, the things. brand merchandise and retail support. But I mean, that doesn't really give the whole in-depth understanding either of what it is that that we do. I mean, essentially, we partner with brands to create collections of products that can give a brand extension and valuable brand impressions, basically. And that also sounds like a lot of fluff when I say it like that as well. But we basically try and, through working with a brand, get to know them and what their brand embodies so closely to create a group of products that are not just, you know, we've taken a T-shirt, we've put a logo on it, now it's a Volvo Cars product, right? That's not who they are as a brand and that's not how they want to be represented. We look at, okay, what type of, of clothing should it be? What materials? And go in really deep in the brand, develop the products, uh, develop the collection and then offer, in many cases, a full service around it, meaning that we don't only design, source, produce products, we then stock them, we put them in our warehouse, we finance them in many cases, and then we take on the role of making sure that everyone knows about those products. I mean, for us, we get paid when we sell our products, right? So if they're sitting on a shelf, they're no good to us from a financial perspective, but they're really useless to the brand because what's the point of us making these absolutely amazing products and they sit on a shelf in Tushlandi in Gothenburg? Um, so we offer marketing services, web shop services. We also have customer service for the products. We have all of the invoicing. So basically we, in different cases, have different channels that we're allowed to sell and market their products through. So we're not selling Volvo cars, for example, but if you see a T-shirt with Volvo on it, a bag with Volvo on it, a pen, a cap, all of these different products, we are most likely the partner behind it and we are responsible for actually selling and distributing that product out in their network. And I mean, in some cases also to business to consumer if the customer wants to, to go that way. So our customers can choose our products to make money for themselves, to resell them on They can choose them for brand impressions. They can, you know, choose them to give away at events. So there is a lot of different ways that people use our products. But essentially, we want to make brands seen in ways that are other than their standard marketing mix. So through product media, which is an incredibly powerful 
media that people don't give enough credit. <laughs> it's what we see. Volvo is, is a customer to you, then. Yeah, one of our biggest. Yeah. Mm. So they come to you and ask for different products. No. You you make them anticipating that Volvo will want them. We work with them on a contract basis. So, of course, there are customers who just come to us and want a one-off thing. Absolutely, there are. Like some Volvo fans, people that like their Volvo car come to you and buy a Volvo They absolutely product. can. But if we take a company perspective, like there can be, you know, some donut shop that wants to make some some T-shirts and they could absolutely come to us and say, we want a T-shirt and we could say, all right, here's some ideas for T-shirts. Which one do you want to buy? That we can do. But that's not the core of our business and the core of our competence. For Volvo, we win often a contract from our customers that we work with over a longer period of time. And that is to create together with their brand and design and marketing teams a collection of products which are the ones they want people to use to represent or to buy to represent their brand so we create them anticipating that people are going to want them yes <laughs> so there's there is of course a risk in that but we do that together with Volvo so we for example or with Hilti or with Saab or with whatever brands that we work with so so we work out, okay, who is the target of, of these type of products for you? And how much do you think they're willing to pay? What's important to characteristics from the brand in terms of sustainability or material choice or colors, things like that? And there we create this kind of offer that is then offered to the market. The market may be employees. The market may be events people. The market may be consumers the market may also be that it's just a one-off type of thing that we that we make it for. But in the Volvo world, for example, it's their resellers or autofagelia, the dealers that are out there. They're our biggest customers because they are the ones who are meeting the clients. So the point is that our products should always get to an, an end customer, whether it gets there directly or through other paths. Right. Okay. So so the car dealerships are, are one of your biggest customers. In the Volvo case, yes. In the Volvo case. Absolutely. In other cases it's it's events teams, it's sales activation. Can Volvo, like big uh, corporate Volvo, also come to you and say like we're having this event, you have absolutely. our shirts on shelf, can we like Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So and also they can come to us and say, You've got a thousand of these shirts on the shelf. We need eight thousand. Can you make them? And of course, yes, please, you know, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, we can yeah, do. Yeah. And that could also be, you don't have the product that we need for this this occasion or this event. Or, you know, we, ha- we have on some businesses, we have a lot of sales from stock. And on others, we have a lot of sales from special requests where we have a collection they could buy from stock, but maybe for budget reasons or there's a very special print that's needed for for something, we make something different. So we have a balance of both. But the fact is that because we're a partner, we should be able to always secure this brand compliance and consistency that by coming to us from producing that T-shirt, we will make sure it meets all of their expectations from that our suppliers are ethically behaving, that the materials we choose, that the colors we choose, that the logo is placed right in the right size, that even if headquarters is not controlling it, we are controlling it for them. So, I mean, someone can come and just buy a pen from us if they like, but it's it's not our core competence. 
it's not the easiest business to, to explain, <laughs> I can say. <laughs> well, well, we're getting there for sure. Okay, and Volvo is, is of course, an exciting example uh, in mm-hmm. this because it's a big brand. It's, yes. a, it's like from a Swedish brand yes. in the core. But they also have like something called Volvo Merchandise. Right. Which is like their own company for their merchandising but or something. If you think that Volvo is two companies, so there's Volvo Cars, yeah. which we are the supplier oh, of right. Volvo Cars, yeah. and then there's RB Volvo, which is trucks, which is IT, which is everything, which right. once upon a time was our customer yeah. uh, many, many years ago. But they then insourced that into their own organization, which is Volvo Merchandise Group Services right. now. So they share a logo. Yeah. They're two separate brands. Yeah. Yeah. So right. that's the, right. and very different target groups as well. Yeah. And Volvo cars also just became uh, bus noterat. Yes, on so, the stock market. Yeah, mm. so now your customer is there now. Though. That's, uh, I, I mean, it doesn't change anything for you, no, I guess. Maybe some cool product for the for the happening or something like that. But uh, but I mean, it's what it, I think where we're very privileged as a company is that we do get to work with these brands and we have been a part of some amazing brand transformation journeys with our customers. I mean, Volvo has taken an amazing journey in the last, what could it be, six, seven, seven years and completely repositioned their brand. And we alongside them reposition the merchandise or lifestyle collection or or whatever different name we we give it we've repositioned that along with their brand because you can't have the same old (laughs) giveaways when the brand is positioned differently so i think we're very lucky that we we work with such cool brands and i mean volvo cars is absolutely a great example of it but then you have a company like hilti who we work with who also in their own industry is a hugely strong brand with an incredible level of loyalty and a really really fun company to work with and when you get to work with those brands i mean there's so much stuff that you can that you can do and when you're partnering with them, you get so much insight into how they think and act and feel. And it's it's a really, um, I think we're very lucky in that sense with yeah. the, the brands that we work with. Yeah. So if you have a big company and you want different IDs and you want someone to store and produce for you, mm. then you come to you. Absolutely. And if you want someone who is creative, yeah. not just taking a product and putting a logo on it. Yeah. That's who yeah. we are. We can do that. And we do do that in the yeah. cases where it's needed, but it's not what we want to do. It's not what we believe in, let's yeah. say. Okay. That creativity, like where does that come from? You have different staff yeah. with that kind of competence. Can you? Yeah. I mean, we have a design department yeah. and when working with a brand, we try to have a designer dedicated to that brand. When we start working with them, we, like to have a lot of uh, education from the brand, full brand immersion almost you would call it, yeah. so that they they almost know the brand as well as the people working and sitting in the company who is working with the brand. Of course, no one develops a brand thinking about how it's going to look on merchandise. So our team has to really take everything 
and translate it. And, you know, there's hit and miss, right? You know, we have to develop these guidelines and this understanding over a period of time. And that's why long-term relationships are so good in this because in the end, it's just such a natural relationship and a natural understanding. So we try to, we have a team of designers. They all work together in terms of creativity and supporting each other, but they're all probably have their own brands that they're the experts on. And then, I mean, we have, of course, then a product development team and, and it's really important that they keep up to date with trends with, with, I mean, of course there's going to industry events and promotional fairs, but also retail, I mean, and what's happening in retail and the trends there. So it's a challenge. Everything is, is always happening quite quickly, but some things, products are what they are. I mean, a yeah. t-shirt is a t-shirt, but then our creativity has to be on the material selection yeah. or the trims or the details, the print that we do. So it's our employees. If we didn't have creative people in our company, we couldn't offer that to our customers. Yeah. And uh, you are the new CEO of this uh, company since this spring? Yeah, April, I believe it was. April. Mm-hmm. Then you were already like very familiar with the company, right? Absolutely. You had been been there for a while, and so absolutely. C- could you like perhaps tell us a little bit about the journey from like starting there? And also, yep. we should like you're from Australia as yes, well, I am. Uh, so we're speaking English, yes. but we could also prata lite svenska. We can prata lite svenska on the behalves, like so. On my English, can't take it It's great. You're, you're speaking just as, as good as me, so that's no worries at all. Your English is better than my Swedish, I can say. So that's All a good right. start. But All yeah, right. I mean, I, I I obviously have been living in Sweden for a while. I yeah. moved here in in 2013 and was very lucky to fall quite um, successfully into a professional job in Sweden when I got here. It's not always easy for people when you land somewhere and you don't speak the language. For sure. And Swedes are so amazing at English as well. So I, I fell pretty pretty well into a, a great job and a great company when I when I landed here. And moved through always in international business, of course. English is is a strength there in many yeah. ways. And I was uh, headhunted to Brandon in 2013 by an old manager that I used to work with and started working on the brand merchandise side of the business in, in the customer marketing. You had another job before then in Sweden? or Yep, I had a couple before, before okay, that in Sweden. So okay. <laughs> I was working in software and I was working in... Um, Marketing data. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, right. I had a couple of jobs before, but always international, um, international marketing or sales, yeah. account management type of roles. So very business oriented, and that's my background is yeah. partnerships and business um, focus. I don't like to say sales because I'm I built relationships with yeah. customers more so than selling to people. Like yeah. I, and that's what we do at Brandon as well. So, but of course, you could say I've been in sales for most of my professional career in in some way yes but Brandon hired me then has been an amazing journey for me I think I really fell into such a great company and and the history of Brandon is that we were owned by Puma all right so when I started we were owned by Puma and that's a great company as well an amazing company and still one of our biggest customers Puma so we do a lot of work with with Puma on retail support yeah um and 
in that time, we had a big um, license side of the business working with Ferrari and Mercedes. You know, you come into this company like, this is cool. You know, <laughs> look at these brands. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. From working with the brand merchandise, I, my manager then left. I got the opportunity to take the responsibility for the full brand merchandise team. And I feel like I just found myself in a place that I really could understand and succeed and contribute to and make a difference in the company at Brandon. And in 2016, we did a management buyout from Puma. And at that time, brand merchandise really became the focus of Brandon, along with the retail support side of the business. And then I was given a position on the management team at that point in 2016. And we've just been, you know, going through a journey. I've managed to really bring in some new customers and prove myself, I think, during my time there. And uh, now in the spring, there was a decision made made that we needed a new CEO. And I didn't really expect to be offered it, even if I was very, very sure that that's where I belonged. Um, and I've seen myself in that role since I probably graduated from university. It's a long shot. <laughs> you know, It's a long shot. And I'm a female under 40. So you also don't necessarily expect that they're going to give you that opportunity. So that opportunity was offered to me and and there was a lot of discussions around what I saw it should be in that role and what I thought was important for the organization. And uh, here I am. Crazy time to take over a CEO though. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pandemic and stuff, but <laughs> sink or swim. So uh, I think I'm swimming so far. Yeah. So it's going quite well. So. That's wonderful to hear, and, and congratulations oh, on the, on this very very nice uh, role. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should uh, talk about the retail part of it as yeah, well uh, sure. to understand Brandon even further. Yeah. So um, it's like stores uh, you you make. Uh, yeah, we make like in store consumables, if I could say. And I mean, good to understand further is some people may think brand merchandise and retail support. Like, what the heck is that about? How do they connect? But they're both different customer offers built on the same infrastructure, the same web shops, the same logistics, the same warehousing. We use the same email marketing tool, the same sourcing policies. It's just a different product that offers a different value to the customer. So while on the brand merchandise side, it's brand impressions, brand extension, on the retail support side, It is brand consistency across a global retail chain, which is very hard to keep, and also cost consolidation. So Puma is our biggest customer there. And I mean, an amazing company to work with who also has been on a phenomenal journey themselves and is a huge, you know, comeback story, if you can can say that. And for them, we do all of their paper bags that they use in all of the stores globally. They're coat hangers, all of the different things that you go into a store and is consumed, if you say. So you don't pay for it in the store, but it's used in some way. And what they get out of that is that it doesn't matter if you go into a Puma store in Brazil, in Australia, or in Sweden, you get the same quality paper bag in the same sustainable material, and they have purchased for the whole world. So they get much better prices. Okay. So that's basically the the retail side of things. And I think um, they gain a lot out of that. When dealing with such an, uh, such an task, do you create all the bags in one place or do you create them in different parts of the world and ship them and like... 
Uh, it's a combination. It's it's mostly one place, but yeah. of course, in some cases, with some products, uh, we need maybe a local production for a certain market yeah. because there may be barriers to entry of some description, tariffs, or, or problems there. Um, but in general, we produce most in China of many products, yeah. and then we split ship either out of China direct to to the countries, or we take them into stock in our warehouse, and we have warehouses in. China, Sweden, and the USA, and then they can order as they need. Okay. So there's both options when we talk about those because we're talking big quantities um, yeah. of those kind of consumables. Yeah, some products in some markets, like for example, we work with Saint Laurent, which very luxury brand, very cool to also have have that as a partner, but. We supply all of the champagne that they have in okay. their retail stores. <laughs> Not so easy to send champagne across the world, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. quite difficult. <laughs> so there we have a, it's called local sourcing. So yeah. we have partners in each country that then we split the orders out to and send it locally to them. So we are very solution driven, <laughs> I can say, of finding solutions to all of these. And that's definitely a huge strength of Brandon, I can say, because yeah. it's complicated with yeah. all of these. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds really like so <laughs> for Puma then, for example, that these bags, then you, so you make sure that the design is up to par, you make yep. sure that the stock is always available yes. and you make sure that like on all these different stores globally, mm-hmm. the, these bags are there when yep needed yeah absolutely that's exactly <laughs> um, of course our clients help us i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. puma has a very invested interest to make sure that people comply and buy the bags from us and and they're an amazing company like that in securing because they also own most of their stores so that makes it quite quite a lot easier to secure compliance yeah. um we couldn't do it alone let's say as a outside company but it's a task but it's easier to get global compliance with retail than it is with brand merchandise okay Why is that? I think because often the markets have a lot of their own setups, a lot of their own contacts. Maybe the head office doesn't take the same kind of mandate because the it's not an essential product. Yeah. Right? It's I mean, they must have bags in retail stores yeah. for customers. They don't have to have merchandise. Yeah. So it's uh, it's always more of a challenge to have everyone buying from the global supplier on merchandise than it is on on retail. Speaking of retail, now with the pandemic uh, and the, like people not going to brick and mortar stores mm. uh, so much, how have you seen those effects? Unexpectedly, Puma had a better year last year than it had before. I mean, maybe because they're the kind of retail that was a little bit more successful in working from home that, you know, they I guess their e-commerce went up quite significantly. Yeah. Of course, our sales uh, were impacted on certain product groups and things like that. But they sell sweatpants and sneakers. And what were you wearing when you worked from home? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is kind of a relevant, uh, relevant business for right. that. So they had right. a really strong year themselves as a company. So we, I mean, we had an impact, but it wasn't our most impacted industry. The brand merchandise was impacted heavier. Okay. And that's because of events and meeting right. customers and things like that. And for the brand merchandise side of things, Is that also like you do it globally for yes. so, for all the customers or some of them or it, it depends on the yeah. contract that we have on our biggest ones it's global yeah. and it's like really global I mean Hilti has 
you know, setups in so many countries in the world. Like every day when I'm looking, I'm like, oh, we sent there today. I mean, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> incredible. It's they're, they're everywhere in, in every continent. And that's a challenge. But that's a huge strength that we have, I think, compared to our competitors, because global logistics with lots of different products is very challenging yeah. because every market has different regulations and restrictions and not everything works in every market. And that's our job to keep on top of. <laughs> yeah. Hilti, is, is that, I mean, maybe if I see the logo, I will know uh, instantly what company it is, but now from just you seeing it, I don't... power tools. So okay. it's the red, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, with the other with the uh, German uh, Y. Oh, they, they, no, no um, it's it's red and white. It's I think people think it's German. It's actually from Liechtenstein. Uh, okay, but it's like the, it's the brand. It's like the Hilti with uh, one of those. No, no, it's Hilti. H I L T I. You will know the brand when okay. you see it yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's but it's not like it's not tools that you would have at home. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. Super yeah. expensive okay. uh, ones and very high quality. So in construction, if you have a Hilti tool, like it's really good. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't have them yeah. personally. <laughs> you, you, you see on me straight away that I'm not a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that, that my son, he was like, can you get me Hilti products? And I was like, I can get you a Hilti t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. But if you went to like a, a construction site, you would see, especially in the heavier uh, tool area, um, yeah. a lot of things. But it's once you know it, you know it. And such a, a big and very, very cool company to work with. Very technical. Gotcha. When you create merchandise uh, for uh, for brands, they can, sometimes they want something like unique or mm-hmm. oh, that yeah. you produce or yep. you, you produce it in some of your, with some of your partners, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, uh, but you like draw up the design yep. and stuff like yep. that. Absolutely. And we do molds and make special yeah. productions. I mean, of course, with, With clothing, there's a lot of uh, production also, um, but it's maybe not quite as as complicated with hard items, let's say, where you have to do molds and things like that. But we absolutely do that. We also make scale models for for some clients, um, which is a very unique... um, Like of their products? Yep. Okay. In the Volvo construction, for example, of the... I don't even know the English word, the diggers. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes. So we make from scratch products. We produce products that are already, let's say, produced but change a color perhaps. Okay. We also buy from wholesalers if they're smaller quantities. Uh, I'm sure the lead times. But we like to produce from, from scratch and be creative, but you can't always be creative either. Yeah. Can you give me a couple of examples of products you yeah. have done from from the ground up? Well, I mean, I can actually, I think, a very interesting, uh, let's say, case yeah. of product products that we've done together with Volvo Cars is what's called a reimagined collection, where Volvo has a lot of leather that yeah. is left over in production. So they make their seats in leather, and then there's scrap leather left over. We take that scrap material, and we have designed a range of bags and key rings and phone cases. So they're fully, like, reused products, scrap products from their uh, own production, and we're reusing them and making it into merchandise products. And it's really, really nice leather products. Yeah. That's a material that's never been used for for bags before, and we we then make the, uh, the products out of it. And then to package it, we take the 
car covers. So when you when a car is shipped, there's like a white plastic over it. We take that those car covers and we turn it into protective packaging for the products. Hmm. So it's I mean that's also what that's not intended it's not intended for that but that's how we're using it. So to try and be creative from a material reuse perspective, also a design perspective because they're they're a design that's just been designed for Volvo. We haven't taken an existing bag and said just create it with this product. We've designed it ourselves. And I mean of course then there's more let's say specific products like for for Hilti for example who they have an iconic tool case which is a very iconic symbol that they have and we've made you know a solar charger in the shape of that you know and so we've had to make molds so and everything else and it's using their their iconic product and turning it into a merchandise product basically hmm. also a very cool product yeah <laughs> for sure how much uh, is usually like the budget for for like one item or or so oh. between like every customer is so different i yeah. mean volvo is quite expensive items yeah i mean hilti is primarily giveaways so yeah. it's often let's say most of our collection is under 20 euros yeah not much of Volvo's collection is under 20 euros, yeah. for example. If we're working with our, our smaller accounts, it's also generally, you know, let's say 300 crowns and, and under yeah. products. But it depends. There is always then the more specialized products that maybe like we have a very high quality pair of in-ear headphones yeah. that then is maybe 50 euros or something like yeah. that. But that's because otherwise it's not a good quality product. Yeah. And on those kind of products we often partner with a brand as well okay but so like never like five thousand euros or something like that just a couple of days ago when, when thinking about me talking to you and mm. like going over it in my head and just preparing for this conversation and i thought like i mean there are some like crazy businessmen out there that like give you know rolex watches yeah. and stuff like that to to other customers yeah. and clients and stuff so there, there has to be like a market at least for like luxury gifts B2B there is I mean and but then you're usually working with a brand like yeah, Rolex or exactly, something like that and I mean exactly. I can say we have some more expensive products like Bauer Wilkins headphones for example yeah. or or some Sunto watches and things yeah. like that but but I mean not going up to sort of the really really expensive there has been historically some bikes that we've had in collections yeah. uh, that have have been more expensive maybe a couple of thousand uh, euros um, or very specialized skateboards or something like that that have been made but but generally you know that's a big challenge if you want something that's really custom in a very low quantity it doesn't really work right it of course then becomes extremely expensive so if, if there's exclusive gifts we would usually look towards a brand yeah that makes sense and uh me reading about i mean all this stuff i mean there there are i mean there is um exclusivity has all i mean it's mm. since since beginning of time mm. it has been like but i mean it's now with small series and there's crazy shoes and like mm. some shoes with the blood in them there was this <laughs> nike, <laughs> nike shoes or, and i mean there are like some these next series level. next mm. level series mm. do exist and mm. I, I mean people look for them Kalles mm. caviar mm. and the chimney eyewear did like uh the other summer they yeah. did some some, some kind of collabs yeah, yeah. exactly 
yep. sunglasses. And Volvo is doing some collabs yeah. uh, now, which you're, you're seeing come out into the market, more limited edition PR type of things. But, yeah. but there is absolutely, and there has been ongoing discussions with with different uh, customers about sort of collabs and and trying to piggyback on brands. And I mean, for example, we've we've collabed with Sundquist on yeah. Volvo for a long time. We've done like own designed collections yeah. together with uh, Sundquist to create. What, was it the Sundquist bag you had? Yeah. Yeah. I carry it myself. I, yeah. I like it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I bet. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of Sweden's favorites brands yeah. for backpacks, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're great products. And, and that sort of is a way of adding value to a product through using, leveraging another brand. We also had Houdini products, for example, yeah, right. for Volvo as well. You know, that was a very much a sustainable uh, message that they had themselves uh, yeah. that could help lift lift the scope. Just the other week, I had uh, an article about a Volvo bag. Yes. Was that, is that you? No, it's no? not us. Okay. That they produce directly. We're, we're yeah. aware of it. There's discussions around whether we should distribute it if they want to put it through the channel right. but they do their design department who we work with works direct with the designer on, right. on that specifically yeah, because that this was like uh, yeah very the, cool yeah this, but and i really liked the way like because it was to show off the new um Material. stuffing right for yeah, the seats yeah. and stuff yep. uh, in their new electric yeah. cars yeah so they like released this bag yeah. with in the same yeah. material, which is a really like it's yeah. it's clever and cool. And that's more and more how we work with yeah. them as well. Yeah. Like the the project I spoke about before, and it is very cool. It's very challenging, of course, yeah. to to have the availability of materials and and everything else. But it's a very unique and cool message. They also did shoes actually in a in in the same series um, of this PR work that they've been doing they did some volvo shoes um where they partnered with i can't remember the brand but they are doing a lot they're sort of understanding i mean collabs are huge now i mean look at like people with lego adidas lego and i mean it's just crazy all 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 like the food uh, food chains has their own uh, apparel um, lidl did shoes i mean recently (laughs) it was like like, what the heck (laughs) is going on in the world (laughs) but it's it is a lot of you know that's product yeah. media. At the end of the day, they're putting their brand on shoes, and they for know sure, it's going to get out for there. Sure. I mean, and we wrote about it, and it was so funny because I wrote about it, and then on that night, I was doing something, and my friend, he sends me a picture, and he has the, the because they have two, they had two models, and he had both models, and, <laughs> and he had no idea how to write uh-huh. about this or anything, and he's just like a. A Lidl customer. Yeah. And uh, he had bought the shoes and he sent me a picture of them unbeknownst that... uh, And asked, which one do you like better? Which one should I wear tonight? <laughs> so it's like... Uh, but they had a cult following. I mean, yeah. there was also this crazy... Um, they were selling for like a thousand crowns and stuff yeah, like yeah, that in, in yeah. the secondhand market afterwards. Yeah. I think that then died down when they bought in more stock. But yeah. <laughs> but it was it was some crazy... I mean, but it's this hype that they, they create around it, which is very, very cool. And that's what Volvo is doing a lot with those, those type of products, which we believe indirectly strengthens our position and our products um, yeah. with them. Because they're not talking about cars, they're talking about other products. Yeah. So. 
Okay, so so but then you do these products and they can be under 200 crowns or they can be mm. like between 200 and 500 or something mm. like that. And then you, you get the, you, you discuss the design process with your customer and then you have your staff uh, drawing stuff up and, mm. and everything. Mm. And then you send it to like a factory. A factory, yeah. A factory. We don't own any factories. Yeah. I mean, we produce way too many products to yeah. be able to own yeah. any factory. So, and also, I mean, that gives us, we think, sort of some kind of competitive advantage yeah. to be able to make sure we have the right suppliers and if things change with raw material prices or or anything like that or they don't pass audits we can we can move to other suppliers but it's also with good to with pricing to understand that when it comes to gifts there is anti-corruption laws as well so when it comes to gift giving we can't have an extremely high range of products because otherwise there is tax implications for the recipient or other more serious question marks around giving away um, right expensive things to customers right it's quite frowned upon these days yeah. <laughs> yes the days of expensive gifts and booths all night yeah uh, and trips uh, to hawaii yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gone we don't do that anymore. No. it's unfortunate really i would i would like someone to try and win me over with a trip to hawaii yeah. but it doesn't happen anymore it doesn't happen, especially when it rains in sweden it, no. when it really should happen instead we just get a basket of candy around uh, easter yeah <laughs> so i also don't mind that yeah okay and you said you mostly do it in China then, the manufacturing? I mean, it depends, of course, on the product group and something that we're looking at more and more now because of what's going on on in the world is local sourcing and from a sustainability perspective, of course, by local sourcing, you know, producing closer to source of where the products are going to end up. But of course, China has the best expertise in a lot of the products we do. Clothing, you know, we're talking Bangladesh, India, Turkey. Um, We also with leather goods in Italy. um, And we have, of course, a lot of wholesalers that we work with in Sweden. Yeah. But I guess you you still like feel uh, uh, of the like the disruptions in uh, logistics and uh, that we do. China having factories with electricity it's only a couple crazy. of days. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. now. Like we felt like we would get out of a pandemic and things would be okay, but it just keeps going. I mean, freight prices are eight to ten times what they were yeah. a year ago, yeah. pretty much. I mean, it's and even if you're willing to pay extortionately high prices you're not guaranteed even to get a container to put the products in. So it's been a really big challenge. Uh, Thankfully, we hold stock of a lot of products, so we've been able to maintain some kind of okay margins on on some accounts. But it's – and they're talking that will go through all of next year. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to – and I think everybody's recognised that we have to – not be solely dependent on any one market or yeah. at least to a high percentage. And we we have to have plan B. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think what everybody is really focusing on is to make sure that we can continue to supply because we've gone from a world in a pandemic where the business problem was that customers weren't demanding our products. Yeah. The customers were, were all locked in lockdown now we've moved, shifted into a world where the customers are back, but securing the supply chain is a huge challenge. Yeah. If there's electricity, so the factories are not open two days a week, a typhoon then goes and hits a port in, in Shanghai. I mean, yeah. it's constant, it feels like right now. So coming in as CEO in that environment, has been, <laughs> it's very um, much a learning experience, yeah. but uh we're all in it together and we are, I think, because we partner with our clients over a longer period, 
I mean, sometimes it feels like you're constantly making excuses, you know, oh, it's because of Corona, it's because of freight. It's all true. But, you know, you kind of hear yourself and you're just like, gosh, I mean, it's just constant at the moment of these things that are happening. And we're lucky that we've worked with our clients over a longer period that they know that this is not us. Yeah. And they also themselves experience some of the same problems. So we've had incredibly supportive clients through this, incredibly supportive. I mean, even in the beginning of the freight issues, I'm saying, should we check with our freight options to see if you can, you know, use our freight instead of your freight? I mean, it's a real true, we're in this together, which I'm incredibly grateful to work with those kind of people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, as you said, having having contacts or relationships going long back, I yep. mean, imagine just signing a new oh. a new customer and then you're like, yeah, the stuff will be there Monday. No problem. <laughs> and then you're like, Next minute. Yeah, <laughs> that, that uh, yeah. would be even more scary. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's. I mean, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, of course, with the corona. We feel now, I mean, business has really picked back up now in the last uh, couple of months. And and that's amazing. And we just now have to learn to live with the other challenges and make sure we learn from them. And if someone hasn't learned from what we've gone through in the past 18 months, they're not going to survive. We have to adapt now. Yeah. Just a thought that came to me, like with with the prices and and with, with, uh, as you said, local sourcing. There's always, of course, the environmental uh, benefit yeah. of it. That's that's like always a given. Yeah. And it, like from if if you just for one second throw economics out of the window, mm. it makes a lot of sense to Absolutely. not to not uh, go around the world mm-hmm. and do stuff that you mm-hmm. could do locally. Absolutely. And then also there are some things that we don't do abroad, mm. like paper and stuff yeah. like that in Sweden, because it's it's so cheap to make that it doesn't make sense to to do that abroad. Mm. Mm. And when the costs of containers go up with like tenfold, then that should like move the margin for stuff that doesn't Mm. make sense Mm. to to produce in those countries anymore. Definitely. And that's, I mean... Yes, there's the environmental factor. And that's, I mean, we've been talking about local sourcing for for years and starting to work on that more on our main product groups uh, over the past years. And that was from an environmental perspective very much because some of our clients are willing to pay more for a, a more sustainable yeah. product, but many aren't. Yeah. And now what we see is there isn't necessarily the cost advantage right here and now of producing in China, for example, compared to say producing in maybe Poland or something like that. Um, Whereas before they really, I mean, it was a pretty big cost advantage to produce in the East before Uh, that gap is certainly closed, but there are of course still challenges where if raw materials come from outside of the EU and need to be shipped, you can still face price increases, raw right. material shortages and, and general challenges. It will definitely help, I think, the production economy within Europe, for example. Yeah, um, yeah, it really should. And like we have, uh, as you're saying, Poland and, and, and countries like that are like have huge capacities. Absolutely. Um, we have um, Estland as well is looking from a printing industry perspective. Yeah. They are like really good at Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're making... 
bags for Puma now in in Europe. Uh, One of our more recent productions was done in Europe. And we've always been doing clothes uh, in Turkey and Portugal, but that was usually when it was lower quantities. But now even it's, it can, if they have the capacity, more beneficial sometimes now to take it from there. Let's see what's next. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's just sunshine and lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good. It would be good. I yeah. mean, you, at one point you do go, okay, what next? And you just think it can't be <laughs> something else, but then it is something else. It's been a couple of years of, of craziness, really. Yeah. I was like wondering before if, if you um, in this, uh, we call återförsäljare or leverantör in, <laughs> yep. in, uh, in the Swedish uh, market. Yes. And, uh, Everyone is either one of that or one of those. But like, where 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 are you in that? We are both. Yeah, yeah. We actually fall into both. And I mean, I don't like to call us either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't like when customers call us a supplier because it almost puts us at this kind of lower rank in some ways. And that's why I do try and, and use the term partner a lot. But, but in different cases, we're both. Because if you think it, we are a, a supplier of merchandise products or... Yeah retail products to our customers we absolutely are a supplier um, but in some cases we are reselling other people's products like let's say Baron Wilkins headphones yeah uh, yeah, yeah so so we we do fall into both categories but we're, we're closer to the supplier side of things yeah. but I mean we don't have any factories yeah for example so. right but d- does it happen that uh, like a straight up swedish autoförsäljare that is just like a, a super regular autoförsäljare comes to you mm. and says we have this customer that wants something custom made can you help us does that ever happen N- not that i'm aware of i'd yeah. be happy if it did but not, yeah. <laughs> not that All i'm right. aware of okay no. but that could be a possibility yeah then. absolutely i mean you can say that i mean agencies may come to us yeah. in that way like yeah. advertising agencies who are right. doing an event you know there, there's a chance of of more of those things happening and i mean i can't say that the sort of reseller market yeah. pushes any clients our way specifically right but yeah bring it on if they want to yeah for sure <laughs> because i i mean i i know of cases where that happens oh. where where uh, resellers have been helping their mm. customers mm. creating something unique mm. Uh, mm. that they don't have in like in PF4 and the standard. Ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so it happens for sure, but I mean, maybe not every day. And I mean, we do sell, of course, a lot of Shindao and, and PF products as well, especially when there's lower quantities and lower lead times. Yeah. Um, so we work very closely with those different, we call them suppliers, because yeah. to us, they, <laughs> wholesalers, I guess we, we should, uh, we say more so, but they don't sell direct to customers though either. Yeah, so they right. sell to companies like us. That's when we kind of do become a reseller of their products to our customers. Yeah. And, and we do that quite a lot. You said that sometimes you get advertisers as well, mm-hmm. like talking to you or, or mm-hmm. needing your help. You're talking almost like the same language, right? It's yeah. That's your approach to the whole thing. Absolutely. Like you're, you're, you're like an advertising bureau specialized. 100%, yeah. And I mean, we don't media. call ourselves an agency, but I, yeah. I have always seen that we, we are like a merchandise yeah. agency in many ways, in our mentality, in the type of strengths that we have. And we are that kind of a feeling as a company as well, you know, and, and all agencies are only as good as the customers that they have. And yeah. that's the same as us. I mean, because our, we're producing great products when we have great clients. Yeah. We don't have great clients. We're not producing anything. We don't exist at that point. 
that's why I feel like I relate very much to the agency world because our operations scale up as our client base scales up. We may be open a off, an office in a market when we have a customer who has a need for local representation there, but we don't scale up just for the sake of it, for example. So, so I, I definitely relate us quite closely to an agency mentality. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, it's also just fun to, to like be really serious about product media or yeah. like some yeah. merchandise branding. We had an event uh, last week. We had like a speaker, some advertising guy, Mats Rönne or something like that. He says that everyone's sales pitch mm. that isn't digital is how they are a good complement to digital. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like everyone knows that, okay, digital is driving the bus mm. and this is how we make a good complement. Mm-hmm. And in a world where at least that's a fact, according to someone possibly named Matsurana, it's uh, <laughs> nice to go like to do something uh, else and do mm. it with like uh, full, full force. Mm-hmm. And and to be serious about it with the design, with the materials, yeah. with with all of that, to be good at it. We've asked ourselves the question so many times of how is digital going to affect our business, and how do we need to sort of change ourselves in in the digital age? Is there such a thing as digital merchandise yeah. and and things like that? And I can say that in our web shop solution, we we've offered different ways of handling that. Uh, we work with a company called King, who has Candy Crush and yeah. those kind of games. And I mean, they're also a very cool techie company whose employees are super proud to work there. Yeah. And we basically work with employee branding for them. They use tokens so they give each employee 1000 tokens okay to redeem for merchandise oh okay. so we have a web shop that can can handle that kind of a solution nice. and i think that's so cool yeah, because yeah, yeah. people still like to get stuff yeah. like people still have things yeah. and and that's where it's like yes of course digital has an impact on everything but there is still value in product if it's the right product, if it's going to be used, if it's something that people want, the brand impressions are huge from yeah, it. Yeah. And the, the value you get from your marketing dollar, I've, I mean, I've read some research on the value of a marketing dollar and in the different medias, right? Yeah. You've got TV and radio yeah. and billboards and all of these different things. And the, the research shows that if you spend $1 on product media – you get more brand impressions per dollar than any other type of media. It's very close to internet advertising. So, I mean, if you spend that dollar on a backpack to give to your customers, it's getting more brand impressions than spending a dollar on that 30-second TV commercial. And people don't think like that, though. They just don't see that value of their marketing dollar in our products. Um, But I don't see that stuff is going to go away. No. I think that how we distribute it needs to be adapting, how we sell it needs to be adapting. Things like that King solution towards employees, I think is amazingly cool. Like, and raise the quality. Exactly. I see some reports and they they make me, I mean, I don't get angry, but I get a bit... <laughs> provoked. <laughs> provoked almost, because there is this like huge report about different canals for advertisement. Mm. And then they ask like, 
the, the whole world basically. Mm, mm. Like, what do you prefer? Like, how would you want to get reached by mm. by marketing? And they answer like, well, uh, mm. out of home and yeah. the magazine mm. and events and stuff like that. That's like the top five uh, newspapers. Then they ask the, the marketers the same things. How do you prefer to like engage with your audience? Mm. And they like, it's Facebook, it's, it's YouTube, it's da, 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 da. <laughs> They're talking two completely different yeah. language almost. Yeah. All the agencies coming up now, they are like so all in. And all in social. Yeah. Mm. The problem I see with this, it will be, if it's, if it not already are, a competence problem. Mm. Because all the schools and all the employers will only like have digital yeah. as their, their, tra- their, mm. what they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. But then you will have this, this big uh, black hole yeah, <laughs> of stuff that like wants print and yeah. wants, uh, someone needs to know how mm. to do how it. How to do it, yeah. And that will be a problem mm. sooner or later yeah. if it's not re- already are. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, and, and I think there's so much noise in digital as well. Like, yeah. I mean, to get your message ahead in digital these days is really, really challenging. I mean, you sure. and you often have to pay now a lot of money for it. I mean, influencer marketing to get to the ones that you really want. Yeah, you have to pay lots of money yes. to get yes. <laughs> to get yes. in their newsfeed. I mean, it's not yes. cheap. I think how as a consumer you separate that noise is very difficult like of yeah. what you're actually interested in and and that's why I sometimes think the traditional I mean when you when you get given a product you don't realize you're being marketed to in the same way yeah you don't realize that they're not brainwashing but there is you know you're seeing that brand you're associating things with it if you love that bag you love that brand you know how much those things actually come into your how you, the association that your brain makes yeah. is very powerful yeah. and i don't think that because of all of the stuff going on online that you make as much of the same association of course like you see the same ads flashing up all the time and then somehow you're like how do i know that brand and it's just because you've seen their ads in your feed like 17 million times yeah, and not yeah. paid any attention. <laughs> but, but I mean, it is that we sell products that are also so powerful, but everyone yeah. wants to work with digital. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. And and I'm sure there will be some kind of counter reaction or motreaktion mm. soon enough mm. and probably sooner now because now because of the pandemic, everyone yeah. has realized how, wow, fantastic digital mm. is, but <laughs> I started using it a bit mm. ironic. It is good, but you know, mm. it, everyone has done it a lot mm. during the pandemic. Mm. So they will get tired of it yeah. even quicker. And those who are born into it are going to have a completely different view of it. I mean, for us, it's, it's something that's come in in our lifetime yeah. and it's something that's new and exciting and information that we couldn't have access to before. Right. But they do say that the younger generations are not as interested. Right. You know, because it's not it's not fancy and new and yeah. everything else to them. I mean, sure. they're going more and more analog yeah. than digital because that's what's different to them. So it's yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. For sure. I can only speak for myself, but I will never be sad if someone gives me a t-shirt. No, I, I, I will never be sad about that. <laughs> for sure. That's true. I mean, people generally aren't anything that's free. Like people yeah, just yeah, haven't yeah. like a want to just feel like you're giving it to me for free. <laughs> it's just yeah. something. In it. And I can use it because yeah. it's a really nice t-shirt. Yeah, that's the thing as well. It has yeah. has to be something that 
yeah. that you're going to use. If it gets thrown in the bin, it is absolutely a complete waste on yeah. every level yeah. from a brand perspective, from an environment perspective. I mean, For and sure. that's what I try and get everyone in our sort of industry and organization to think about is we talk sustainability all the time. Yeah. Uh, but we don't always talk about life cycle part of sustainability because throwaway products are not good. And if you go to an event and you get a goodie bag, how many of them do you actually end up taking with you? How many do you throw off on the way out, like in the bin? So it's, uh, you have to drive a demand of, of products that people will use. Yeah. We need to like really brainstorm about, Especially the the goodie bag stuff mm. because that's the cheap stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. so that's that's the one that's the stuff that is hardest yeah. to to create uh, good things with with yeah. r- small amounts of budgets. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's like it's always the the little bit of the budget that they don't have to spend on anything else. So it's always low budget. Yeah. They always forget about it yeah. until the last minute, yeah. and suddenly you're left with no options. Yeah. It is only that. So until like the behavior of the people, the event managers or the marketing people who are working with it change, it's going to be hard to change that because I think everybody who works in our industry respects that if you have time, you can do so many cool things. And if you have an okay budget, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like good quality doesn't need to be expensive. But if you don't have time and you have, you know, beer money and champagne taste, (laughs) you're going to have some problems. Good quality could be a carrot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Good. It's true. I mean, it's so, so it doesn't yeah. have to be expensive. No, it doesn't have to be expensive. It needs to be creative. Yeah, by many uh, many senses of of creativity can. Yeah. can because be. I was thinking, like, first, okay, so candy is always useful, but yeah. then, like, how can we take candy a step forward? Yeah. Oh, maybe a, a carrot or so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and candy with a wrapper, and your brand gets taken off of it and thrown in the bin, isn't always the best either, right? right. I mean, so it's. Right. That's just more of a gimmick to get people to, to your stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. candy. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure carrots would drive in there in the same way, I've got to be honest. <laughs> well. You never know. You never know. <laughs> it's a new new generation coming yeah, up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's, the maybe it's a carrot. You know, they are more health conscious, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. I feel like I haven't gotten so much. Do you understand Brandon now? I think I understand Brandon, actually. <laughs> Could I, you tell someone what we do? <laughs> Yes, you take uh, product media seriously and you make it look good and you do it for big brands and you do it all around the world. It's brands. It's all about the brands. Yeah. It's not as much about the product. It's about yeah. the brand. Yeah. That's that's how we think. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I guess that's a good place to, to stop, right? Very good. Yeah. It's been nice talking about what we do. <laughs> really nice. It's always nice to try and educate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean... At least I'm educated. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Amanda Wild. When I woke up this morning, I knew something was wrong. It tried to defeat me, but I knew I was strong. I knew I was strong.